Hey guys, welcome to Monday's edition of the Footy Social Club. Um, a little bit quiet in the studio today. No Steve, no Matt swanning off having their holidays. Thankfully, Gaz and Ryan are with me to uh, to break down the, the England-Australia game, which I would describe as dross, um, and look forward to hopefully a better performance in England versus Italy on Tuesday. Um, boys, nice to have you with me. Gaz, I'll come straight to you. Um, it certainly wasn't four or five nil to England against Australia, but Southgate did make wholesale changes, which we called for in Friday's podcast. Yep, exactly. I mean, we asked, we got what we, you know, got, got what we asked for. So uh, made the changes. Um, we don't look very good. I mean, those changes, it just goes to show that we're just not up to speed when we, you know, when we make all these changes there. Um, no one really stood out. It was really drab, boring game. Um, it was quite evident that, you know, Henderson just wasn't up to speed. Uh, he just looked very, uh, you know, I think the Saudi, something in the Saudi food is not doing any good for him, but he just, <laughs> he, he's finished international football for me. Um, uh, but yeah, we got what we asked for and um, we just scraped through and very lucky in the end. Miles off with my prediction. I think we were all, I think you were the closest, weren't you? <laughs> Yeah, two two one. I said right. Obviously, we live this side of the world, and the Aussies were very quick um, on the weekend to tell me just how rubbish England were, and I was quick to remind them that that was a B team, albeit yeah. not a very good one. Um, very disjointed. Southgate um, was very defensive of Jordan Henderson in his post match interview. I think that that's an important thing to discuss today. Yeah, like, I think you summed up the performance in, in one word, disjointed. And it gives him now the perfect platform to say, well, this is why I play the 11 that I play. Um, nobody really took the game by the scruff of the neck to say, I should be starting for England, um, which is a bit of a shame because you'd have thought everyone would, would have been busting nut. Say, I thought Livingston was good. Um, I think he got man of the match as well, so it's probably yeah. not saying much much for our performance. Uh the Henderson thing's a weird one. He's the new scapegoat, isn't he? Like, I'm not his. I'm not his biggest fan, and I agree with Gaz in terms of his international career. Should he be getting any England squad when he's playing in Saudi, in front of? <laughs> I guess the the crowds don't make a difference, but he's not exactly playing for one of the bigger Saudi teams, is he? Um, but he's the new scapegoat. No, nope. he's the new Maguire. Um, all come about because of his stance on Saudi originally, then he moves to Saudi. I think he's now part of the the World Cup bid of getting it going to Saudi, which I think is, is yeah. the worst secret going that they're going to get it regardless, which is why the the World Cup's going to two different continents in 2030, which don't get me started ranting on that one. Um, you know, he's, he's just a new skipper. Why is he getting booed? Why, why are England fans booing him? It's not his fault. So... Southgate threw him under a bus no, again. No. He threw him under a bus of why is he getting booed? You know why he's getting booed. You know he was he was substituted. He was captain at a point and well as well. Like I kind of look at it, Gaz, and think, you know, Southgate, you're actually making it easy for these players. Like you know, you play Maguire when he doesn't play. The fans are, are, are booing him. Then you put you know Henderson in, who's you know in the media spotlight for. As Ryan rightly said, he's now backing, you know, Saudi World Cup and 
you know, and everything else over there. And it sort of like highlights him even further. Instead of maybe just playing him and keeping him on for 90 minutes, you know, plays him, substitutes him, and he's captain as well. I mean, just stands out like a sore thumb. And it does make me question what Southgate's, not motive is, but but why do it? I don't know. Um, We're all lost with it because like Phillips, just play Phillips in that role. And, you know, I think you just got to move on. Uh, he just doesn't, he seems to almost want to hold on to, you know, proven things yet. I mean, Henderson used to be a real stalwart, didn't he? Uh, you know, he was always there, always very, very solid. Um, but he's not that player now. He's, he's. I mean, he wasn't the, he wasn't the quickest anyway. Uh, I know he used to cover, you know, his brain was quite clever, you know, across. He certainly wasn't a, you know, he used to He's never been goals. quick. Ferguson no. Ferguson never signed him for United because he said he moved like a crab. So, yeah, you know, he's never been quick. Was there anyone, Gaz, that Pretty stood so. out for you in the England performance? I mean, Ollie Watkins scoring his goal obviously will do himself no harm. But overall, anyone else? Ryan called Lewis Dunk, obviously man of the match performance. Much else? Bowen didn't do too too much. No, Bowen, I was a bit disappointed with Bowen. It didn't really get a chance to do a lot. Um, yeah, there's just no creativity there. And again, in the middle, uh, I mean, Madison, again, it didn't seem to suit the, the formation. Madison couldn't really get enough out of him there. He did have a few, couple of chances, or some, well, not really proper chances, but it was just an overall poor game. And like I said, it was a proper England B team. It was England B1, Australia nil. It was literally... It was, yeah. it was poor. It was poor. Ollie Watkins, obviously up front, you know, he did cause, he looked a little bit brighter, but again, none of them played. Lack, well. lack of service as well. Lack and of it service, clearly looked yeah. like a side that, that never plays him. Roy, you'd obviously be pleased being a Villa man that Ollie Watkins got his goal. Do you think he's Kane's understudy this season going into the Euros in Germany? He's got a chance, like he's in he's in the squad, but you've got Callum Wilson when he's fit. Is he going to be ahead of him? I'm not sure. I, I, I give up second-guessing what Southgate will and won't do with filler players because I, I, I said last week that Ezra Konza should be in or around the squad. Take a look at him. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't trust anything with regards to team selection. We'll probably be back to Raheem Sterling before the, uh, before the Euros anyway. Uh, Gaz, with regards to Calvin Phillips, yeah. mate, he didn't play because he'd be playing against Italy. So that's, that's I, I, I think, pretty much anyone who's playing against Italy wasn't really getting a sniff of getting on that pitch before 60, 75 minutes. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Obviously, the number two position in goal seems well up for grabs. Sam Johnston played in this one. Obviously, Ramsdale very much not in the picture at Arsenal. Kind of worries me that, you know, if Pickford was to pick up an injury later in the season and potentially miss the Euros, it's happened with players before, there is no apparent number two with England. Something that Southgate maybe needs to think about? I thought Why? he did all right, to be fair. I, I thought Sam Johnson did all right. He made a few decent saves. Does anybody, Does any country really have an established number two? You normally have a number one for a reason because they're your best keeper. Our keepers, to be fair, Ramsdale's probably a bit of an anomaly. You don't know who's going to be in goal for Arsenal throughout the season. You've got Nick Pope. He's pretty much going to play every Newcastle game. He's going to play Champions League games. You do have Sam Johnston if he's going to stay in Forest's goal. Not Forest's goal, one about, sorry, uh, Palace's goal. They've got Henderson Palace. as well, I think. Yeah. So, you know, they've they they've got a few England goalkeepers there. So, I. Uh, 
I'm not worried about it. And, and typically, I don't, the only thing Pickford's going to get is a sore back from picking out picking out goals out the back of his uh, Everton net. So, I don't know. <laughs> touch wood. Touch wood, he doesn't get injured. He's made a couple of great saves this season. I think Pickford's a great keeper. He's a decent keeper. I do, I think Pickford's he's a really a good, good shot keeper. stopper. He, he just gets yeah, he's, a, he's never really let England down, in <laughs> fairness to him. He gets peppered for Everton. Yeah, That's the reason you know, why he makes mistakes. Solid keeper. I think his kicking yeah. is awesome. I think his kicking is awesome. Yeah, his distribution. His distribution is good. If he, if he maybe was called Alison Becker Pickford, maybe he'd yeah. get, um, you know, a little bit more uh, positivity. But and also he's playing for a poor side and has been for a number of years. Kind of surprised he hasn't moved on to another club. Um, mm. All right. Well, England B against a very very poor. Australia team. I reckon the Australian women's team would probably beat the Australian men's team. Um, Shows how poor they are. Um, Definitely not like the days of Viduka, Kuehl, Lucas Neil, Schwarzer and and whatever else. Um, More importantly, we move forward to England versus Italy at Wembley on Tuesday evening. Um, England will look to capitalise and take three points against not the best Italian side, and and, and Rye one that's got a few issues leading into the match. Maybe we'll talk about this briefly first. A couple of players um, have been omitted from the squad on gambling charges. Is that the right word, or, or a gambling inquiry? It's, yeah, it's an investigation at the moment. I think it's the official wording. Um, Dr. Zaniolo at Villa and Tenali from Newcastle. It didn't affect them too much. I know they're only playing Malta, but the one won four nil. They did the job that they needed to do, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't fear Italy as much as I fear Southgate's tactics because it's Italy. You know, it, it's for me. I'm more worried about he's going to see it as a bigger team. And I know we beat them away. Maybe he'll prove me wrong again. I hope he does. But yeah, I'm more probably concerned by his. Theory of a draw is probably good enough versus actually putting some confidence into the boys by doing the double over Italy. What would that say? Yeah, yeah, that's a very valid point. Gaz, are you expecting a 4 2 3 1? I know we debated that heavily last week, but you know, Ryan mentioned a little bit earlier that Calvin Phillips likely to play. That tells me if Phillips is going to play, then Declan Rice is definitely going to play um, alongside him. And he's had a very strong start to the season. Um, with my team, Arsenal. Um, uh, it's going to be full, pretty full strength. Um, a win would be great. I do worry that Southgate will play for a draw. Uh, you know, I really do worry with that. Um, do you expect a full strength England team or, or any surprises? No, we've got to. We've got to go full strength. Um, I think we'll beat Italy. I do think we'll beat Italy. Um, it'll be narrow. It'll be tight. Um I know Ryan don't think Ryan's not too sure, but I I, I think we we definitely beat Italy and yeah four two three one. Um, it's got to be Phillips next to uh, um, Rice. Unfortunately, I know you don't like the two holding pivots, but I think we're going to need it against Italy. Um, we're just not that good at the back, guys. We're just not that good at the back. Um, we t- we can't play this. We've got enough up top. To, to to beat to to beat people with with two holding players, I in my in my opinion. Right. So sorry. So let's let's go with the fact that we're going to have these two in the middle. Let me just write this down. So we've got Phillips and Rice, unfortunately holding. We're not going to be brave enough. We'll worry about the back line in a minute. We know, we know we've got Pickford in in the net, as let's just say, and and Kane picks himself up front. Who's yeah. the three, right? 
Bellingham Saka. Saka's out, isn't he? I don't know if he's actually Saka's... out. I know he was rested for Australia. Is, is he actually confirmed out. as now out? I thought he was oh, taken out of the squad completely. No. No, I um, thought he was rested for the Australia game. I think that was what was agreed with Arsenal. Yeah, it's going to be Bellingham in the middle, sure isn't it? Play. 90% of your play. So Bellingham off of Kane? Yeah. Yep. What, the, 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 a hybrid sort of 8-10 type role. You need him in the middle. You need him in the middle where he is from Madrid, just causing havoc. Yeah, 100%. The so goals he's, he's scored this there. season as well, you need to have him in the middle of the park. He's got to be Definitely. the head of Rice, the head of Phillips, and just driving at people. That's what he needs to be doing. Um, if Saka's fit, then yeah, Saka on the right. Not, not He's not been in any sort of form. Probably Rashford on the left. Just because I don't think not, not Foden's Foden. form. Foden doesn't play on the left. So that's why I'm saying if Saka's fit. If Saka's fit, he plays on the right. If not, then you put Foden on the right. Yeah. Then you've got two players cutting in. I'll get your opinion on this, boys, just quickly. With the Saka-Foden thing, going back to the, the Euros that were, um, that were back in the UK, and I think the jury was out whether Foden was ahead of Saka, Saka was ahead of Foden... Gaz, for you, who's who's the who's the number one pick if they're both fit on that right hand side? Oh, Saka, Saka, first. yeah, okay, hundred uh, percent. Saka's uh, number two pick behind Kane, in my opinion. Um, he's night and day the best on the right mm-hmm. side. So for me, yeah, Bellingham. I love like, like Saka on the right, Bellingham in the middle, and uh, yeah, I love like Bellingham. <laughs> Bellingham's very good. Sorry, Bellingham's yeah, got to be number two pick now. Come on. But, <laughs> Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I think I really rate Saka. I mean, really do. I think he's really, really good. Um, so, yeah, I'd have Saka, Bellingham, and and Rashford. I think I'd go Rashford. I like Rashford on that left side. I've right. always liked him on that side. That's strong. And, and do you know Gives what? Gives a lot of pace, a lot of oh. pace and a lot of directness. Oh, imagine playing against that. That's enough, surely to God. Them three running at you. And the freedom to run at you. And don't worry about coming back, guys. You just you just sort it up there. You stay up there and you just cause havoc. And you got Rice and Phillips in behind. You know, yeah, you, can okay. see why, you can see why he wants to do that. And I think it'll allow our our wing backs to get forward a little bit more, a bit more old school. Um, allow sort of Kyle Walker to you know get up the pitch a bit more. Uh, I know Trent. I'm not too sure if Trent's going to play, but you know he could then play in that role. When there's two there, Trent can play quite easily. I think when there's one there, Trent can't play at all. I think Roy, I prefer Trent next to. Next to Rice, if that was an option, I, I would do it. You won't do it. I, 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 it's probably too big a game to take that risk. If you were going to do it, you could have done that against yeah. Australia. So even first half, play him, in, play him in there first half. See how he gets on in that two. See how solid we look, and then you could have took him off at half time, kept him fresh, and done it. When he played ten, when he played Trent as a ten, he scored. So I think Trent could easily play next to Rice. It would make us a little bit more dynamic um, yeah. in the, in the middle of the park. He can he can tackle. He's not a right back, but also he can get forward. He's he's great on the ball. I think he'd be a, a brilliant player for England to have in that position. All right, look, we, we, we've got the majority of the team. The back line. Um, I haven't got a clue. England have got various injuries as well, and, and players not fit. Um, is there a chance that Dunk might play in the centre-half positions, Ryan? I would. If he's just got man of the match, I'd be playing him next to John Stones. Um, my issues, yep. left-back. He played Colwell so, left-back. Stones and Dunk? 
That's what I would do. I sure. Again, I don't think he will. I think he'll be playing Maguire. Um, that's Trippier at left back? Trippier, I think you haven't got a choice. I, like, Colwell is not a left back. I know he's playing there for Chelsea, but he's not a left back. He doesn't offer you anything going forward. Um, and I can't, no. again, Cal Walker pits himself right back. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> for me, it's a yeah. no, that, that's a no-brainer yeah. of a back line. So if, you, if you're going to select Dunk, he's left-footed, or he plays on the left of the two centre-backs, just keep him playing in that position. Yeah, all right. So so England's England's footy social club team for, for the game versus Italy is, is Pickford in goal, um, a back four of Walker at right back, Stones, Duncan, Trippier at left back. Um, the holding two, much to Ryan's disgrace, of Phillips and Rice. Um, a front or an attacking three of Saka, subject to him being in the squad. Bellingham and Rashford, a player who's not in form, but, but deadly when he's on form. And then obviously the one and only Harry Kane up top. It's a strong team. You can see why nations do fear England. There, there is a there is a depth to our squad. There is a lot of good players there as well. It's just the manager that seems to hold us back. It's like playing with that handbrake on. Um, we all still saying England are going to win. I think I said two one. Gaz, you still confident England England win at Wembley? Yeah, but I'm going to go one nil instead of two one. I'm going one nil. <laughs> One nil, right off the back of a crap performance against Australia, albeit the B team. Does this more full strength England team bring it home? My heart says yes. My head says draw. I know that you can. That's not offence because I'm not draw. going to Italy. I'm not going. I don't think Italy win, but my I just I don't know, guys. I just really don't like. You said the there's no we've... way we're going to beat Italy. Right. Yeah, but I, just, I, mean, I just don't think. I just don't think. I think we go one nil up. But I think we just plough on the players that don't make a difference. Like Henderson will come on if we're one nil up. Like that, I genuinely think that would happen. Yeah, he will. Someone yeah. off and he put. Yeah, he definitely he put will like he, he put like Henderson in the middle and put Bellingham out left. You know, he'd change it and then I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust him. I could just see another Euros final where we throw it. <laughs> Where we're up and we're dominating, and we, we check for some reason change. That's I'm scarred, guys. I'm sorry. I'm scarred by the guy making too many mistakes. <laughs> that that Colwell the other night. By the way, that Colwell the other night. He looks like a player, but I just don't know where he where where he's. He's a centre back. He's a centre back, isn't he? Yeah, he is a centre back. Yeah, yeah. He, but he looks yeah. good. He's a big, strong guy. Like yeah. he looks good. On, looks good on the ball. Looks like a like a very young. When uh, Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, come on the scene, yeah. looks that type of player, and I'm thinking he looks a player in. So all playing uh, centre half. England need definitely. one to come through because we, we're lacking a few. Um, yeah. But he's got to he's got to need a bit of time, and I don't think it's helping him because Pochettino's doing the same. He's playing him at left back as well. So mm. Southgate's doing what Pochettino's doing. That the, whether that's to get him game time, get him experience, but not expose him being at centre half. I don't know. Um, I kind of liken it a little bit to um, to William Saliba, where when he first came in and went out on loan, he actually went out on loan as a right back and has transitioned over the last two seasons into being a centre half. Uh, you know, and during his time back in France, and I wonder if they're kind of doing the same, um, not exposing him. But England desperately need a new centre half to come through, and I really hope he continues to be picked by his club side, by Chelsea. Where, you know, it'd be massively important, um, especially as 
we're at odds with whether Maguire should be in there. And, you know, Dunk's not, a you know, a spring chicken anymore either. Um, yeah, England definitely need one. Probably more looking at the World Cup, I, I'm thinking there. Um, and, we, and we probably need to look at a right back as well in the future. Walker is not getting any younger either. I think he's 31, 32 now as well. I, I hope England can win. Nothing like beating the Italians. Um, that would all but cement our place. Uh, qualified, oh, wouldn't it, as well, if we if we beat Italy? Qualified, if yeah. We win. We, we yeah, the it's coming to that time. <laughs> well, look, that, boys, is the internationals covered with any luck, as I said, England will win and qualify and can book our tickets for, for Germany. Um, as I said last week, the Footy Social Club will be over there. So, uh, England, get the job done so I can book my tickets, please. Um, some big news in the Northwest, Manchester United. Um, it's been reported for the last few months that Sheikh Jassim was probably going to buy the club, but it now appears that Jim Radcliffe has snuck ahead, the Ineos owner, um, Nice owner as well in France and, and a few other football clubs as well. Looks like he's going to get his hands on a 25% stake from the Glazers for a reported £1.3 billion. Pounds. My first question, Rye, is what does that get Jim Radcliffe? It's a lot of money. I don't think anybody knows. I don't, I don't even know if Jim Radcliffe knows at the moment because uh, either all the Glaziers keep selling up, are they share, selling up a part of their share? Um, some of the siblings just completely taking themselves out of it and taking the money like where is that money going i think it's probably the concern of man united fans yeah i mean i read an article about it gaz where they've sort of said you know the money that comes in may be used for upgrades within the stadium that are desperately needed the leaking roof at old trafford's been going on for about six years now so they need a few new roof sheets 1.3 billion should do that. There's there's also talk that at boardroom level, so CEOs, directors of uh, football, um, the the guy is it John Murta who's sort of in charge of football relations as well. There, um, that may be cut back under Jim Radcliffe. He may actually have a say in the the more day to day operations of how Manchester United um, are, are set to be run. I know Matt's been heavily critical. Um, before, and I'd love him to have been on today to discuss this and give his opinion. But, Gaz, does 25% really give him that much or is it really, you know, a ticket to to buy the club in whole in the future? Yeah, I think it's like a stepping stone. I think it's a bit of a limping. Uh, but he's the type of man- he's, well, manager, he's the type of businessman that going not want to say for his dough. So uh, I think it's it's more of a, I'm going to come in for the X amount of money, Um behave, <laughs> do what yeah. I'm told, and then kind of like, hang on a minute, oh, this shit, you know, shit needs to happen, and then he can then obviously increase his stake, and then and then they can actually go. But you know, he's gonna he's gonna want he's gonna want a big big say there. You know, all this silent stuff. I, I'm here that he's gonna come in and just be a bit of a silent person. I don't see that at all. Um, no, at all. No, no, I don't see that. I, I'd be amazed if you know he's first and foremost a businessman. He's a shrewd businessman. Um, Ineos, you know, chemical giant in this world. He's got other sporting teams in football, in cycling. Um, I don't think he sits in at Manchester United as a silent partner. Um, I'm sure that Rye, however he's 
negotiating with his team of lawyers with the Glazes and, and their, you know, their legal entourage, I'm sure he wants to say, J Jim Radcliffe is a Manchester United fan as well. Like he's yeah. in effect buying into a club that he supports. And I think he will want that money to be an injection that propels that club back up the table, or, you know, to the, to the point of challenging again, right? But it doesn't. 1.3 billion. How much is their training grounds going to cost to redevelop or rebuild? How much is the ground going to cost to redevelop or rebuild to get them up to the elite? I'm going to say elite, elite in the Premier League. He hasn't got the money to actually take over the club either. So where's the future? Agreed. It, it, it doesn't make sense for me. If you're going to sell the club to Jim Ratcliffe with the view of selling to him in the future, selling the whole club, why not accept six billion now? The market rate for the club's three. You've got a guy offering six, saying he's going to put one point something extra into the club, develop, develop the things that I've just mentioned, as well as the team. It doesn't. It's just another ridiculous glaze of decision, in my opinion. This doesn't solve anything. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. Jim Radcliffe, I don't think, has the money to buy Manchester United in its entirety. He's a very, very wealthy man, but he's not Sheikh Jassim wealth and nowhere near it. Um, I, for Man United fans, I wonder if it is that first stepping stone for them of... The Glazers slowly leaving the club. However, I also do wonder, you know, they now have a, you know, or, or will have a 75% stake in the club. I wonder if this eventually goes the other way and eventually Jim Radcliffe has 75% and the Glaziers maintain 25% going forward. You know, Gaz, Ryan makes the point about the stadium. I know that they're looking at making it to increase it using that money roof off extra, I think, 15,000, 20,000 seats, you know, if they're going to fix the roof, they might as well take it off and put more seats in. They desperately need a new training ground. It's somewhere caught between the late 90s and early 2000s. When you look at you know, clubs like your own, Tottenham's, you know, the advanced in technology that they've got in, the, in their training ground. I know our club's the same. I think even to a point, Villa is as well. Um, United's definitely not that. Maybe they don't have that much money. Maybe it doesn't buy that many more players. There's also a lot of structured debt at Manchester United. Is the 1.3 billion a token gesture that's just going to line the Glazers' pockets? I think so. Uh, like I said, you know, to build a stadium, top of the stadium was like nearly a billion in the end. That's just a stadium. Forget about obviously the massive training facilities as well. That was also huge. Um, I know you know Old Trafford's massive as well, obviously. And if it needs to be pulling a stand down or two, it's going to cost a load of money. I think Liverpool. I, I liken it to sort of like a Liverpool sort of deal. Liverpool's was about two fifty, I think, to do a stand. Um, you know, it's going to be that sort of. Well, it's going to be half a mil, that's for sure. Um, you know, so where's this? You know, one point three million billion bit of debt. That's you know. You, Chump change at the end, that's for sure. If they want to, do, if they want to do all the stuff. My question, Rise, if if they're willing to do business at twenty five percent for one point three billion, then the club is worth only about four or five billion at the most. So, so why didn't they take the six billion from Sheikh Jassim? Well, 
Yeah. If, if that's true, it's 1.3. If it's 1.3, it's not worth 10. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, no. In reality, it's not. It's no, no club in the world. Like Chelsea were bought for what, five? They're in London. Yeah. They're, like they're, you, yeah. you paid London tax. It's the same as offering six. This is Manchester United, though. They are yeah, one of the biggest clubs and brands in the world. Yeah. It's yeah. worth three. They bought the club for about eight or 900 million, of which they only invested 200 themselves. The rest was structured debt. So where the yeah. club is, and they've chucked a load of debt which, onto the books. Yeah, which they've done. Yeah, you're right. So they've chucked on debt. I'm actually, be, I'd be more screwing it for a United fan. I'd almost prefer the Glaciers didn't sell anything, because now it says, "Oh, we'll take the money, we'll take the investment." But what's the investment actually going to go towards? Unless Ratcliffe's went, this money is not going to you. It's going to X, Y, and Z, which I'm sure the details in the next weeks or months will come out, and then maybe you know what? Fair enough. Glaziers still have majority control of the, com- of the company, club, whatever you want to call it. I just, I, I, don't, I don't get you. You're 1.3 billion. You times that by four, that'd be 5.2. Which you seem to supposedly offering over six. <laughs> Work that out. Yeah. 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 Go on, guys. I can see you chomping at the bit. Go on. No, it's just, yes. I think there's, like I said, it's a lot of, there'll be a lot of sticky things on there. But when, you, when you're playing with such a big asset, Man United, it's such a huge, huge asset, and uh, and like I said, once somebody has that big pull, you know, they they, they want their money out. They they want to make their dough, and uh, you know, I just think you know they should have, like I said, I agree, right? Just why take it off the market? You know, when there was all these guys, there's like seven people was all bidding. It got down to like three or four people. I think the the figures were I never the figures never really got released, but you could hazard a guess it was around the sort of four or five mil. Bit four or five billion mark, you know, that's what's that four times investment than what they've actually paid, plus all the debt they've thrown on as well. You know, let's call it five, six times investment. Why don't you just sell? Uh, so for them not to sell, they still want to, they still want to keep their toes in. And I don't think my United fans are going to get their wish uh, of getting them out because they're going to be at some point, they're going to be of some sort of shareholding in. in, in Otherwise, it's going to need multiple parties. It's going to need more uh, Radcliffe's. Um, and like I said, I agree. I don't think he's willing. I I think he has the dough to 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 do it. To be honest, all on his own. But that's committing. Oh, he that's does, committing he, he doesn't. I don't that's think he does a whole lot. I think he does. Yeah, it doesn't. But, but I think it's committing. I think it's committing. Parties. It would be a massive commitment and an over commitment of all eggs in one basket. And business people don't do that. They just that's don't do that. So um, that's my opinion. He does, yeah, he doesn't have it. And you know what? The problem's going to be, it's going to make it harder for Manchester United to possibly go up for sale in the future if he doesn't have the money. Because if he's a Manchester United fan, he's a businessman, he's wanted a part of this club for a long time. He's been rumoured before to want the club. He's now going to get his fingers on a portion of that club. He's not going to let it go, which actually is going to make it harder for someone like a Sheikh Jassim to, to come in in the future and be like, I want the club in its entirety, he's not going to let it go. He's not going to let it go. I don't think it's about money now. Uh, 1.3 billion for Radcliffe is a small investment in terms of money for him. It's a small investment. He's not going to let that go. It's like Arsenal. Do you remember when you you had Kroenke and who was the other guy? Usmanov or something? Usmanov, yeah. Who have 
a set percentage of the club. You aren't going to want to sell, and it's going to be who's got the biggest tick or who's got the most money in their account to actually who's going to want to make decisions. It's not going to work. It's just massive. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think you know if you've got five or six big wigs around there, all got a billion each. You know, they all want they all want their say. They all want you know, nothing will get done. Nothing will get done. So. No. Um, yeah, it's a you need. That's the problem when the asset gets so big. It's it's like I said, it's like all businesses, isn't it? You know, when the asset gets so big, it's very difficult. Let's see if they can get something done with Radcliffe, who now seems to be the preferred party um, in time for January and a, and a transfer window. When on current form, Manchester United need more in their squad, um, and Eric Ten Hag definitely needs more. Um, although the way he manages his players. Who knows? Um, we'll be back on Friday. Again, Matt and Steve will be off on their holidays somewhere. So so do join us on Friday. And we're going to be talking about something that broke at the end of last week. Uh, and it affects one of Ryan's clubs. So do, uh, do check back in with us on Friday. We'll be talking about a bit of gambling and some players that are uh, in a little bit of strife at the moment um we'll also be looking ahead to the return of the premier league thank god um football on weekends is far better when the premier league's involved um for the moment enjoy your week and uh we'll see you guys on friday